0: Hello, and welcome to the DFS Coach Talk Podcast. Today is March 26th. It's a wonderful Thursday morning right over here, uh, and it's a special day. I'm joined with our one and only Santino Cocon over here, uh, following up Coach and Andrew's talk yesterday. We're going to keep the team breakdowns going this morning, so we're going to be uh, touching on the wonderful teams, the you know possible contending teams of the Detroit Pistons and the New York Knicks. But before we jump into that, uh santino welcome this is your first dfs coach talk podcast Uh, you know we have a little chemistry built on our annoying friendship of many years so i'm looking forward to doing this show but uh you know for those who haven't heard your wonderful majestic voice before tell tell us a little bit about yourself
1: hey thanks mike uh thanks for the intro and uh yep i've known mike for quite some time now uh it's been a good good relationship i guess um yeah this is gonna be a fun time we get to talk basketball again we get to talk about the pistons and the knicks two fantastic franchises with plenty of uh great players to look forward to Um, and uh this is gonna this gonna be a good one i'm making my dfs coach talk debut after a little while i've been in the discord and i just can't wait to get back into it
0: yeah i think i think you're speaking volumes for everybody right now everybody that is just in this sports entrenched world Uh, we're all waiting for it to get back there. You know, when this is how desperate we are when we're talking about, uh, you know, wonderful franchises, even putting that those those words in the same sentence as the Knicks and the Pistons right now. Uh, you could tell we're grasping at straws. You know, we're getting desperate over here. So, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to do our best to break down these two teams uh, without just completely bashing them, because there is some positives that they've done, I guess, if you if you dive down in there. Uh, but, you know, needless to say, the, the world keeps turning. Uh, basketball will come back eventually, uh, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, and we got some good stuff to talk about. So, uh, you know, we're going to jump pretty much right into this, uh, you, you know, not beat around the bush too much when it comes to getting to the Pistons and the Knicks. I know everybody's just chomping at the bits to hear about them right now. Uh, but, you know, like Santino said, we've known each other for several years, uh, and we we like to think that we have some decent chemistry. Uh, just basically, we, we like to bust each other's chops a lot. So uh, we're going to try to stay on track here and not just roast and flame each other for a continuous of 40 minutes straight. It's going to be tough. I know he
1: We could that do that, though.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I know you like every opportunity that you possibly could. Even before we got on the show, I'm talking Santino, getting ready to kick it off. And I'm like, all right, let's start off now, 10 seconds of silence. And, you know, why don't you let people know what the first comment that you decided to say, even before we got on air was? It's
1: probably the only time you'll ever
0: give 10 seconds of silence in your life. Yeah, and that's probably exactly true. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a fun show. I'm looking forward to doing this one. Uh, So, like I said, two teams to break down. Uh, I'm going to jump right into this. We're going to kind of handle this in the aspect where I'm going to handle most of the Pistons talk. Uh, Santino is going to handle most of the Knicks talk. We're going to chime in a little bit um, on both teams here and there. Uh, give you guys a nice breakdown of the landscape of what we're expecting these teams to kind of look back, look like once the season does kick back off and does return. Uh, kind of some of the expectations these teams had coming into the season. How that's affected the DFS landscape and how it could affect the DFS landscape going forward. So Santino. We've talked about the Pistons um, at nausea probably prior to the season. We both did a couple write-ups. I know you did a write-up over there um, about them. So, uh, you know, what were your kind of expectations coming in? I know they had some lofty expectations with a healthy Blake Griffin, a healthy Andre Drummond, uh, you know, that draft, the high draft pick of Luke Kennard. Uh, They they had some decent expectations of maybe creeping in there as an eight seed uh, in the East. But as we can see, expectations don't always lead to reality. So we have a struggling Pistons team here who is playing at one of the worst paces uh, in the NBA, 28th in pace out of the 30 NBA teams. So almost dead last there. Uh, And it's not been a team that we've generally gone to for DFS as often as we would to some of these other teams that play at faster paces. But um, I'm going to start off at the top. You know, this landscape that we're expecting when they come back, you know, Andre Drummond now playing over in Cleveland. Blake Griffin done for the year. Uh, we had a few injuries prior to the, the, you know, this whole stoppage of basketball that that are going to greatly affect. That's Derek Rose, who had an ankle injury, who was expected to be reevaluated once like fancy basketball playoffs started, uh, which is you know, right now. And then we also, uh, you know, we had to deal with a little bit of injuries. Um, I'm sorry, losing losing the train of thought over here. Uh, Luke Kennard uh, dealing with his bilateral knee soreness. He's been dealing with some knee tendinitis basically throughout the year. Uh, and then he was slowly creeping his way back into relevancy uh, up until this point. So um, I'm going to give you guys some stats. I'm going to give you guys some numbers. A lot of that's going to be basically what this team looked like uh, usage wise with these guys off the floor and what we can kind of expect for them when they're coming back on the floor. But, uh, you know, with the, with all that being said, Santino, um, what are you looking for as far as when this team returns? Who is the one player that you think can Really, kind of cement himself as this Pistons like cornerstone going forward.
1: It's funny, um, yeah, because I did do write-ups on the Pistons earlier in this year, um, and I tried not to bash them totally, but um, they're this is pretty much what I expected. I mean, maybe the eighth seed, but I didn't even expect him to get that far. Blake Griffin was never really healthy in the summer, so you, I didn't. It was hard to count on him, and he's always injured every year pretty much anyway um but to answer your question the one guy that i'm looking forward to or looking towards when the season starts back up again he should be healthy by then and you mentioned him is hard um this is a guy who is averaging about 15 16 points uh four rebounds four assists a couple threes a game on decent percentages but um he's a guy that like you mentioned, he was a former first round pick. They expected him to take a leap this year. He was playing well before he went down on that. And that was with Andre Drummond and um, a little bit of Blake Griffin, whatever he had. But when he comes back, he's probably going to see the most usage on the team. If unless um, Derek Rose comes back as well and they both play together, but there's really nothing in the way of stopping Luke Kennard seeing 30 minutes if they want to show him that for the rest of the season. And I mean, he's, Third, he should be their number one maybe christian wood number two scoring option uh he's a guy that i'm really looking forward to um down the stretch
0: yeah me too um <clears throat> i think the only thing that we have to worry about with Kennard is is it wasn't just like an ankle injury like derrick rose he was dealing with where he just needed some time off it's the fact that he's dealing with such knee soreness knee tendinitis um that's something that can linger that's something that they might want to limit slightly when he comes you know comes and returns i mean let's be real this team's got no playoff admirations even if they come back and the NBA does, you know, like a, a short little five or 10 game regular season to gear people up before playoffs, it's not like the Pistons are gearing up for anything anyway. So the one worry I have is just how many minutes this guy is going to play once he gets back. If he's playing uh 30, 32, I think he's going to be a fantastic DFS option because he's always around that middling price tag of like around that 5k range where, um, and the right matchups up and pace play. He's getting a few extra shot attempts. He could really pay off that type of price tag. So that's something that we're going to have to monitor is just yeah. how, you know, it's gonna be coach speak. Um, I'll be I'll be you know looking at Rod Beard, uh, Detroit uh, Pistons writer over there. So he's always pretty in touch with it. He's a very DFS uh, oriented writer. So uh, shout out and kudos to him. He's always kind of hashtagging DFS and everything like that for uh, guys like us. You know catering to his his clientele, I guess you could say. Um, but that's something I'm gonna be keeping an eye
1: on. Is just is just how often they're gonna play this guy. Um, but I uh, you know well, you hit the nail on the head. I'm sorry. Oh, I was gonna say one thing about Kennard is that they were looking people teams were looking into him at the trade deadline i mean the suns were rumored to offer a first round pick and the pistons declined he only has next year be, next year is his last year before he has a qualifying offer they they do want to see what they have in him um they're going to have to play him eventually and i assume this year if if the season comes back they have to know what he's what he's worth and what he can do for them before they decide if they want to pay him or not and if they declined a first round pick on him which looks like a pretty good first round pick if it was from the the suns or pretty much uh like a top 10 bottom 10 team so I mean they're gonna have to see what he does or what he can do for them and if he's the future at that uh guard forward wing position so I, I think if he's healthy enough they're they're gonna give him the 30 minutes a game
0: yeah, I, I, I think at the very least, you kind of hit the nail on the head with them, them trading. Uh, if you're going to move this guy, you kind of have to showcase him a little bit. you got to show other teams that he is healthy enough. His knee's not that sore where you could play him 30 plus minutes if you wanted to. So there's a lot of factors that are going to go into this. And it does seem like they're pretty much in that rebuilding stage at this point. Um, they're going to have a lot of contracts that are coming off of the books next year. Um, you know, Blake Griffin, obviously, that's one that's going to be impossible to get rid of for them unless it's just a massive overhaul kind of deal where it's too... Star players that are just not fitting well um, where they are, and it's like, hey, let's just do a quick flip flop, see if they work better for you. I know there were some rumblings of a possible uh, off-season trade with the 76ers, maybe looking to, you know, move Ben Simmons. If if something like that were to happen, maybe they could put a package together. Uh, I don't know exactly how that would work. I don't think it would work well. It would probably be an ugly. I I think what I was reading was more of like a Ben Simmons going to the Pistons kind of thing. I don't know who they would use to kind of match that salary. Uh, The second most expensive contract they have in the books right now. Uh, oh, I'm saying like the Pistons, like if the Pistons are going to get oh, yeah. Simmons, how are they going to match that without moving Blake Griffin is, um, you know, Brandon Knights on a $15 million deal. He's, uh, as he's set to come off the books next season, uh, Henson's nine to $10 million deal. He's coming off the books next season. Same thing, Galloway seven. So they're going to have a lot of money to spend. So I think their best Avenue is going to be attacking this free agency, but it's Detroit um who who wants to go to just sit there and be freezing in Detroit uh, during the winter and play for this Pistons team which is clearly and evidently in, in a rebuild right now um so It is what it is, but we'll touch on the guys that, you know, they are going to sniff the court this season. You know, Christian Wood has really flourished and kind of made a name for himself. You know, this is a guy that a lot of teams, he's probably been on about eight or nine different NBA teams at this point, really made a name for himself in the G League. He's been a fantastic point per minute sort of player when he's been given time and he's been a DFS luxury over the past uh, couple seasons. So I I will be looking uh, to continue playing some some good Christian Wood uh, Santino. You know I've been kind of hyping him up for probably the better half of like a year, year and a half now. Uh, and he's he's rocking yep. a 27 usage rate right now with these guys off the floor. So the usage rate is there. Uh, the numbers have drastically increased uh, since we've seen... Him kind of take over and play a little bit more of that power forward and center role with Andre Drummond gone. When Drummond was there, he was primarily just basically playing backup center. Uh, you know, you'll 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 see the Pistons kind of roll out a little bit of John Henson here and there, but that's mostly just for uh, matchup purposes and, and defensive purposes. If they have a big in there that they want to throw a body on to kind of you know get a little bit of a rim protector in there, that's that's all Henson's really good for at this stage in his career. Uh, just rim protecting, not worth nine million dollars or ten million dollars of rim protecting. I don't I don't know how you quite feel about that. Um, but I'm I'm gonna be looking at I'm gonna be looking at uh at Christian Wood as basically my tier A option just because we don't know exactly what's gonna be going on with Kennard and Rose it's it's basically gonna be those three guys for me for DFS when this returns if Rose can come back and you know turn into that Rose that was at the beginning of the year where he looked healthy uh and he's playing 30 plus minutes we're looking at a guy that just absorbs massive usage and is a great point per minute player never really goes over that six two six three salary price tag on, uh, across the industry for DFS so. Um, that's going to be where most of my attention is going to be gearing towards. And then there's going to be those other guys. So we'll, we'll take a look at, at this aspect as far as, uh, you know, if Kennard and Rose are not unable to play. Most of the usage just goes straight funneled through the point guard position. Whoever is playing point guard and, and then Christian Wood is basically seeing uh, most of this usage. So we've been seeing, you know, a guy like Brandon Knight kind of make another name for himself, kind of come out of the woodworks after he was banished uh, to several different teams virtually useless but if he's out there with those guys off the floor he's getting about a 23.3 usage rate he's averaging just under a dk point per minute at 0.92 uh points per minute so it's valuable there's there's some value in there if they're going to continue rolling him out there Bruce Brown is a player that we've seen get uh you know some some pretty decent games this season he's been a, a coach favorite I know that coach loves playing Bruce Brown, but I can't get behind playing Bruce Brown unless he's playing the point guard position. Santino, I don't I don't know how you feel about this, but I think most of his value comes when he's handling the ball and he's kind of playing a little bit more of a facilitator role. When he's kind of that spot up shooting guard in the corner, uh, just trying to knock down threes. That's not his game. That's not where you're going to see him. He's very good defensively, but defensive stats, you know, we can't they're not really as predictable in DFS and not something that we can really, you know, count on making money off of. So. I wanted to mention those yeah. two guys, though, because <clears throat> if, if we do not have Kennard and if we do not have Rose in the second half when we come back, then we should see these guys like Svi, Brandon Knight, and Jordan McCray continue to play good minutes. Langston Galloway's always going to be a body there. He's never anybody I'm ever going to play in DFS. He's just not a high point-per-minute type guy. Uh, same thing with Tony Snell. Both these guys' usage rates, Snell middling at like 12%, averaging 0.66 DK points per minute. Langston Galloway, 16.8% usage, averaging uh, 0.73. So even if these guys are getting you uh, you know, 26 to 28 minutes, it, it's barely hitting value, regardless of their price tags at this point. So, um, you know, Svi, I still think is a fantastic point per minute guy. He's averaging kind of right near night, uh, 0.94 to night's 0.92, good usage, 22.3. And he'd benefit the most if Kennard is limited or unable to kind of return from that knee soreness. We've kind of seen Snee uh, or Svee play a little bit of that small forward and shooting guard position. Um, And like I said, I touched on McCray. I love Jordan McCray, not as an actual basketball player, but as a DFS kind of option. We just know wherever this guy goes, whatever team he's on, uh, if you give him minutes, he's not afraid of Chuck. This guy, he's not a prototypical point guard. You know, you could say he's a little bit of that tweener type. Uh, but the usage is always there for McRae. I mean, 26.9 since he's been on the Pistons. It's a small sample size of just under 100 minutes. But that's kind of very similar to what we saw when he was over there in Washington. So I, I continue to expect him to uh, you know, take the usage, take the minutes wherever he could um, between that point guard and shooting guard position. But it's going to be hard to trust him without uh, knowing Kennard and Rose are playing. Because once those guys come back, it's just, you know, the, the minutes have to go to them. Bottom line.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty much you hit the nail on the head. Um, especially with your your boy Christian Wood. I'll keep it PG. There, but um, Patria has been on the Christian Wood bandwagon for quite some time. Uh, and, and then that's a guy you really liked. He he's gonna, regardless of who's there, he's seeing massive usage because he is the only scorer in that front court. There's really, I mean, you can't count on Thonmaker Maker or Sequoia or any of them to really get usage and score like that. Christian Woods has a nice role regardless of Kennard and and, um, Rose coming back. But yeah, everybody else is pretty much dependent on Kinnard and Rose. Like you mentioned, Tony Snell and Langston Galloway, they're okay, but they're not anybody you're going to go out and play. Uh, Galloway a little bit more if Rose and Kennard don't play, but those are guys that are just going to eat minutes away from other guys who are more DFS friendly. And then you have uh, Brandon Knight. He's dependent on Rose and Kinnard. If he's if those two don't play, he's shown that he can play basketball still. Um, it was it was debatable a couple months ago, but uh, if he's gonna be starting at point guard and getting 30 to 40 minutes a game, I mean he's a very good DFS value there. Uh, anybody who's getting 30 to 40 minutes at on a bad team that starts at point guard and can dish the ball and score a little bit, they're gonna put up numbers. And then you have Svee, who you mentioned, he's he's played pretty well. Um, he's also getting a little bit of run at point guard. He's handling the ball a little bit more. I know in the offseason, uh, Coach Casey was talking about playing Svee at the point guard more and getting him more ball handling movement. Uh, as a Laker fan myself, I know him from the Lakers, and he did show similar traits to being able to play point guard, but not fully for a full game, just spurts of bringing up the ball and uh, initiating the offense. And then you have, you mentioned him, Jordan McRae. Uh, I like to think of Jordan McRae as popcorn player, Is you put in a microwave player, because he can heat up really quickly. If you give him the time and you give him the role, you put him in the microwave, this guy's numbers are going to pop off. Uh, if he if he's playing 30 minutes and he's seeing 15 to 20 shots, he's not afraid to take those shots. He will take them any day, and he can just he can score at will. Sometimes he's off, and you're going to get those games where he's scores about 15 points and he takes 17 shots and then you're going to get those games where he takes those same 17 shots and he drops you 29 Um, he's just one of those guys kind of like a michael beasley but a little i think beasley's a better basketball player but he's one of those guys that when he's hot he's he's hot and uh you just have to hope that he can hit those that you hit those games with him when you play him in your lineup but he's another guy they're all going to be dependent on if rose and canard come back and they should come back because it seemed like they were getting close to a return when the season was normal. And now that we're going to have at least a month uh, of no basketball, potentially longer, I'm assuming that those two guys will be healthy enough to play, but uh, we still never know. We, we don't know. Maybe they hit a setback that we don't know about. And then when basketball is about to resume, they say, yeah, um, they're not healthy yet, but I'm assuming they're going to play and everything's going to, You know, all these guys are gonna get jumbled in, but uh, we'll we'll have to see. But I I think I think you hit it on the coffin. Those 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 three, and then the other three dependent. Even Bruce Brown, I like Bruce Brown, and when you mentioned you like him when he plays uh, point guard more, he has been handling the ball. He's he's better when he's playing point guard and he's initiating a little bit of the offense. Uh, That means he's he's more involved in the offense when he's not and he's playing on the wing either position he's not totally involved in the offense uh, sometimes like you mentioned he sits in the corner waits for a 3 waits for a shot uh, if if he's doing that he's not someone you want to target but if he's if he's playing like 15 minutes of backup point guard or so then he's he's more initiating the offense he's going to get more usage he's more fantasy friendly but that's uh it, it's all dependent on if rose and kennard come back
0: Yeah, it's a a bunch of what ifs at this point. I know one thing I noticed with Bruce Brown in particular um, is since that they kind of moved um, Andre Drummond and, you know, at that point they brought in a few other guards like McRae and they brought in Brandon Knight and, you know, guys that weren't on the team at the beginning of the season. Yes, they shipped off Reggie Jackson to the Clippers, but they have these these other point guards that they could play when Rose is out. Whereas when we see Brown playing a lot of the point guard position earlier in the year, it, they didn't have really these backup guards. They didn't have McCray. Mm-hmm. Reggie Jackson was hurt. They didn't have Brandon Knight. So Bruce Brown was kind of forced into that role. Since they got these guys, he really hasn't sniffed too much of the point guard. Honestly, his usage is lower than Langston Galloway's at this point. Not by much, um, literally a 10th of a percentage, but he's only averaging 0.8 DK points. So he's not somebody I'm going to be going to uh, virtually at all. And it's simply just because he's, primarily playing I think shooting guard at this point so it's it's kind of hard to rely on that so um, yeah I think I think we pretty much touched on what we needed to as far as these pistons I like that you said Jordan McRae is a popcorn player that's like a fantastic way to describe the way he plays because that's exactly what he is when he's hot he's great Uh, but you know just like popcorn if you don't put it in there long (laughs) enough you're gonna get a bunch of kernels so (laughs) I do like that analogy man Um, I think you know you could still look at him in the situations where we're talking you know targeting some some really good NBA teams where maybe they're playing at a faster pace, maybe the, the Pistons get a matchup against the Bucks. You know that the Pistons are going to get blown out by the third quarter. At that point, you can't imagine that they're going to be overly zealous on playing guys like Kennard and Rose who are coming off as pretty serious injuries where you'll still see a guy like McCray probably roll out there for 20, 22 minutes. And, um, you know, you got to imagine on, on most platforms, obviously price-dependent, If he's playing very limited minutes with those guys healthy, his price tag is probably going to be close to min salary And if you're talking about a min salary Jordan McRae getting 20, 22 minutes, uh, there's some value in there. So those Mm -hmm. are the only situations. I'm probably not going to be going to too many Pistons in the second half of the season unless the matchup's right. We talked about their pace of play being so low where if they're going against a team like the Hornets, the Nuggets, the Heat, the Magic, Jazz, Pacers, one of those teams that play at such a a slow pace, we're talking about uh, a bad team. With less shot attempts, less rebounding opportunities, a lot of less points to be made. So I'm going to be looking at playing these Pistons when I'm seeing these up-paced tempo matchups, matchups against the Timberwolves, the Wizards, the Hawks, the Grizzlies, the ones that they can still be somewhat competitive in um, but still get a boost going against a team that is going to push their push the tempo a little bit. So I think that's enough business talk, man. We beat it. To the, <laughs> we beat it to death. Um, we're going to slide over to the Knicks now, which I know you, you're going to be taking the the bull by the horns on this one. And I think the perfect segue into talking about the Knicks son, is just the fact that they're interested in a piston. They have already came out into the yep. news. They've already said we want, we're going for this guy after this season, which is a little odd. Um, Considering how many forwards and centers they have, but they want Christian Wood. So why don't you why don't you dive right into that? Why don't you talk about that a little bit uh, and how that might you know impact what this team could look like, I guess, next year. But and then what we can expect from
1: them going into the second half of this season. Uh, unfortunately, we've known each other for so long and so well now that you already predicted what I was about to do and my segue into the Knicks because I was actually going to say the same thing about Christian Wood. Uh, it's it's hilarious. Uh, they they went out last summer and got julius Randle, bobby portis taj gibson marcus morris well now they traded marcus morris uh bobby portis is a player option for next or team option for next year so they could get rid of him if they want taj gibson's uh, i think he only has a little over a million guaranteed so if they want to get rid of him again they could again re overhaul their forward center position but yeah i saw the same rumor um they're interested in Christian Wood, and it seems like they will pay a premium for him. I don't know why they like forwards and centers so much, and I don't know why they don't want to give Mitchell Robinson 30 to 35 minutes a game. Um, it's, it it's baffles me, but uh, yeah, they might go after Christian Wood, and he's going to be a free agent, and he's going to be able to pick his get the pick of the litter. The only thing that is kind of crappy for Christian Wood is he was playing great. Um he was playing great when he got that role. He was playing great since Drummond went down, uh, Drummond got traded and there's no Blake Griffin. So he was going to cash in this year. I hope he still cashes in, but this whole stop of play, stoppage of play might backfire on him. But then again, this is a weak free agent class. Uh, we've been saying that for a while now. Every every analyst has been saying this this class is pretty weak. So He's gonna cash in even off of a very small sample size. This will be the year because teams are team, teams that have money are going to pay for someone. And the Knicks already came out like you said and want Christian Wood. Uh, that that would be interesting. I guess they'll have a three-man rotation unless they pick up more forwards. But we'll see how that goes. And, yeah,
0: uh, it's tough. It's tough. I'm sorry to sorry to cut you oh off. Oh no, go uh, for it. Yeah, no, I mean it's. A lot of it, you know, and I'll just preface this: it's gonna be hard to talk about these Knicks without mentioning Dolan. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the, the reason why they have to pay such a premium on a guy like Christian Wood, and why he seems like he's just that that can't miss free agent for them, is because nobody wants to go to the Knicks. So, like, if you're gonna go for a guy like Christian Wood, the only thing that's alluring him to come play for the Knicks in a crowded front court is overpaying a guy like that. So, uh, it's worth mentioning that it's gonna to be tough for them to kind of get any attractive free agents. I think while we're talking about Dolan being there.
1: Yeah. Um I kind of I mentioned it earlier when we started. I said two awesome teams and I was being sarcastic to an extent cuz the Knicks and Pistons they're two of the top 5 to 7 franchises, like the two two of the most recognized um historical franchises in basketball. I mean, you got the Pistons when they had Isaiah and everybody, they were always great. And then you have the the Rip Hamilton, Chauncey Billups or all that that Pistons team, um, and then you have the Knicks who play in the Madison Square Garden, who we're we're close to the Knicks, we're very close to New York, we're in Connecticut, and then you have uh, the mecca of basketball, we we call the Garden. They're just they haven't won in years, but they're always it's just that Knicks brand, that New York brand. It's it's just historical, but to see both of these teams in the way that they are, the last. 15 years or so, just hasn't been too good. Uh, besides, Sansa, Carmelo Anthony a couple years in the Knicks, everything else has just been a downward spiral. And, yes, you mentioned him, the the, the elephant in the room, James Dolan. It seems every few months he does something that is just idiotic for um, – I'll keep it, keep it nice here. Just does something idiotic and doesn't make people want to go there it's he's you have the again you have the Knicks the, the mo, one of the most recognizable franchises in the history of sports uh you're in New York you're right in the city you have the garden and yet you keep doing all these things to make people not want to be there or not comfortable uh the latest example of Spike Lee a guy who's attends every single Knicks game in the garden and then you treat him kind of stupidly and it makes the news. Like if, if there wasn't bad news, James Dolan wouldn't get any news at all, which is not always a good thing, but, uh, <laughs> that, that, true. It, it just doesn't make sense. But, uh, let's skip him. I guess we're on uh the, the Knicks have Mike Miller as their coach. Now, I don't know why they fired Fizdale like that, or I, I, I don't know what they, I don't know why they do a lot of things they do, but they do them. Um, Yeah, they have Mike Miller, and for some reason, another stupid thing that the team announced, they're not going to sign him at the end of the year. They're not even going to give him an interview. I don't know why you would do that with about—they did it like a month or so ago. There was 30 games left in the season. I don't know why you'd tell a young, inexperienced team that you're trying to uh, mold R.J. Barrett, you're trying to mold uh, Mitchell Robinson, you just signed Julius Randle, and other young players, Kevin Knox, who they don't play. I don't know why you're going to go tell— them publicly or tell everybody publicly hey we're not going to retain this any of this this coach or any of his staff it kind of makes people want to tune out but again the knicks do what the knicks do and that's why they are where they are but um for for dfs purposes let's, let's skip all the negative knicks talk because uh it makes people sad it makes me sad just thinking about it and i'm <laughs> not a knicks fan it's just is what it is i want that when the knicks are good for ba- it, it's good for basketball. So uh, it's just it's just it's just a sad situation. But uh, for DFS purposes, pretty much a few players that we're looking at here: uh, Julius Randall, obviously, he has the most usage on the team, with or without Marcus Morris. And um, then you have R.J. Barrett, who's second most usage on the team. Elfer uh, Payton, who's when he gets run, he showed it even last year to close out the year. He's pretty fantasy friendly, good player. Uh, he, he gets you. Decent amount of points. He gets you a good amount of assists. He steals the ball. He gets a lot of steals, uh, and he he rebounds well for a guard. So he's a guy that is clearly in DFS play. Um, Mitchell Robinson, he's kind of a, I love I love him personally as a player and as a talent, but he's kind of a hit or miss because you don't know if he's going to play 20 minutes this night. Is Taj is Taj Gibson going to steal his time, or is he going to play 30 minutes and is he going to do really well? Uh, but he he gets you those stocks which decent but for DFS he's not someone he's hard to pay for cuz you don't know what you're going to get. Uh, Bobby Portis is only a guy to look at if Julius Randle or Taj Gibson or Mitchell Robinson one of them is out cuz he usually slides into the starting lineup uh, if, one, if someone's missing. They again they don't like Mitchell Robinson in the starting lineup. So he's a guy to look at as a point per minute production, but if if everybody's healthy, you you can ignore him. Um that's there's really not much else to look at. Maybe Frank Nittle Aquino when Elfer Payton's hurt. Same with Dennis Smith when both of them are hurt. But, again, it's a lot of kind of like the Pistons. It's what ifs. What if this guy is hurt? Then do we play him? But there's one guy that they were, the Knicks were talking about, oh, I read recently, they were going to bring him up was uh, Ignis. He's, sorry if I say this wrong. Braz Dekas, the guy in the G League, their, their draft pick this year. Uh, they're really high on him. They really liked his development. They were supposedly going to put him on the team when the G League season ended, which would have been – a few days ago, I think maybe maybe it ended this. It would have ended this Friday or last Friday. I can't fully remember. I'm out of the basketball tune now. But they were going to bring him up, and they wanted to give him a sizable role and let him fit in the system. I don't know where, probably at small forward. But um, that's something that was interesting to me.
0: Okay. And let's, let's talk about that for a minute, though. So uh, bringing Iggy up, you know, this is a guy who lit it up in the uh, NCAA, um, you know, believe he played at michigan if i'm not mistaken um absolutely talented player looks like he's very very polished it's just not a role for him on this team when they were coming in there i mean if this this is a guy i would have expected to actually see a little bit sooner than we are now but they were just kind of a little clumped up over there at the small forward position when they were playing rj bear and marcus morris over there but if they do bring this guy up let's say they do give him a sizable role. Um, how do you think that impacts is obviously if he's playing small forward, we're probably going to see a little bit more of Barrett at the two and the one that's then going to impact a little bit of this point guard position. Um, you know, Dennis Smith jr. Pretty much an afterthought. I can't believe he was the, the premium piece <laughs> in that trade man for Chris Tops, that is, that is insane. I mean, the, the Mavericks fleeced, fleeced the Knicks
1: on that one. Um, are we great, shocked though? Yeah. Like, no. uh, are we, are we shocked that they gave up the guy who was the face of the franchise for, a guy who is now the third string point guard and whoever else they got I can't even remember who else they got cuz they're they're not there anymore and and we forget Tim Hardaway Jr was a part of that trade and he's better on his own than Dennis Smith Jr so You're they got right. they absolutely got murdered I shouldn't say that <laughs> but they got they got They got taken to the shed and just like slapped around in that trade. (laughs) You're
0: right. I totally forgot about Hardaway as well in there. And yes, he's (laughs) he's doing some pretty good things. He looks like he's fitting well over there in Dallas. Uh, kind of stepping up whenever we see Porzingis or Doncic that when they need a night off, uh, he kind of just steps up, absorbs that usage, knocks down shots, and very hit or miss guy. But yeah, no, this is it's kind of it's kind of you know disgusting. Uh, I guess is the (laughs) word I'll use when you look at what they got in return and. Um, yeah, so I, I would just have some questions as far as, you know, who's sliding where, um, who's playing where, because if he's going don't, to – I don't know. I don't think he'd necessarily start, but also – Knox has been on the outside of this rotation for quite some time. This is just basically, do they just give up on him and say, Hey, let's see what we have in Iggy, uh, try to move Knox in the off season. Maybe still has a little bit of tantalizing upside knowing that he's only like 19 years old coming from, uh, Kentucky after one year in college, you know, not very polished player. I don't think he's very good whatsoever and personally, but, uh, maybe you can entice another team with just as his, his, the youth aspect of it. But, um, how do you think how do you think that uh, that uh, that role, those roles get adjusted? Does Payton take a hit if Barrett's playing more point guard? What do you think happens if if Iggy does get a uh, significant role once this season starts back up?
1: Uh, for significant, I, I, I probably see him around 20 minutes or so uh, for his role because they just have so many bodies there. But I don't think it will kill Peyton or Barrett as much as it would hurt Mo Harkless, um, Reggie Bullock, Wayne Ellington. I mean, those are players that actually should be hurt by this, and Kevin Knox is going to be hurt even more. But I, if I was the Knicks, I don't know why they're not doing a youth movement now. They have what, 21 wins? They're clearly not making the playoffs. Uh, Bobby, like I mentioned earlier, Bobby Porter's Taj Gibson. If they're going after Christian Wood, they're definitely going to be gone next year, unless they want to, again five forward center hybrid guys. So they shouldn't. They should be relegated to pretty much bench duty. And then it should be a full youth movement, but I don't understand sometimes what they're doing. I would play for the main part. I would play Alfred Payton at the one, Barrett at the two, uh, put Iggy at the three, Randall at the four, Mitch Robinson at the five. They should have the most minutes of those positions. And then you then you bring in like Reggie Bullock off the bench to play a little the tweener position. Um, Wayne Ellington. They should split the. Uh, shooting guard small forward positions and then you bring Kevin Knox in to play tweener forwards maybe give him some uh, power forward minutes slide Randall over to the center spot and then you put him at small forward as well like that that's how I would approach this Um, and then again Ignis can play power forward too uh, but I don't see them doing that totally I see them just all being jumbled in there and Kevin Knox not getting any run and he's not a he hasn't shown much in his career Kevin Knox but he's only this is only his second year and he's barely played this year. You don't pick someone in the top like 8 like that and then just push him off to the side after one pretty bad rookie year but let him give him room to grow. He should have been in the G League if they weren't going to play him at all, let him let him improve on his game. Um, but yeah, I see Ignis taking he should take about 20 minutes of the, the forward position. And I think it's just going to shake up the whole rotation. Cause Frank Nitalikina is still going to play there. Um, I don't think Dennis Smith's going to see the core. It's, it's just going to be really jumbled, but I don't think he would be fan. I don't think he's going to be DFS relevant, but I do want to see what he looks like. And if they do decide to give him 30 minutes a game, when they did, de- figure out that they're not going anywhere in the standings why not let's throw our young guys in there and see what they can do then then he'd be more attractive to Mm -hmm. me but as if they're not going to play Mitch Robinson over 30 minutes a game for the most part I don't know if I can see that for Ignis I don't I can definitely not see that for Kevin Knox RJ Barrett is it seems like the same thing with him they want to take some minutes away from him sometimes it's just a weird situation
0: it looks like it almost feels like the Knicks are afraid to let their guys make mistakes. And that's just part of <laughs> being a young team when you're growing and you're rebuilding is you got to let these guys work their kinks out. You got to let them get a little bit more experience. It seems like anytime time R.J. Barrett turns the ball over, it's like, OK, let's get one of our 11 other guards that we can handle the ball now because he just got one turnover. And listen, it, it, let this guy develop. Let them grow. I agree. As far as the Kevin Knox thing, you know, develop them. If you're not going to play him in the NBA, develop him in the G League. What are you guys doing? You're wasting valuable time that this guy could get better And it. I mean, at the very least, let him get better so you could showcase him for a week and then move him. Uh, You know, you're not going to get a top 10 pick back in return for him like you guys wasted on it. Uh, But if you can get a top 15 or a top 20, something that you can rebuild with, why not take a shot if you're not going to play the guy? Um, It's a a little bit of a mess over there. And I think you kind of described it, you know, pretty much on, on point. Um, as far as, you know, the guys that we can actually look forward to playing in DFS, uh, I think even if we get injuries like, you know, RJ Barrett rolls an ankle, you still probably wouldn't see Iggy come out there and play 30 plus minutes. It it, just, because like you said, they have other bodies. Mo Harkless has been a guy that before this little layoff, we were seeing plays a significant role. Um, you know, after he came back from the clip, uh, I, I mean, it's it's tough a lot of these guys are tweeners a lot of them can play multiple positions and that kind of hurts them because there's so many different ways that the Knicks can kind of mix and match combinations like you said if they wanted to play Harkless or Iggy at the four they can slide Randall up to the five and all of a sudden uh Mitch Robinson's minutes are getting affected that way if they wanted to play Taj Gibson which I I don't know why they do um
1: he's gonna get get affected that way and they Uh, do want to play him because he sees 20 minutes a game roughly and it's just he's 36 years old He's probably on his last. Well, he is on his last leg. He might even retire at the end of the year. I don't know why he's taking uh, who Mitch Robinson's minutes. Who you want him to be the new face of the franchise? So it's just weird. The I think the best thing about the Knicks, if for DFS purposes, is picking the teams against them. And it's just how it is. I mean, they're they're at 22nd in pace, which is really it's pretty slow. Um, so you're not going to – they don't really run up and down the court. They might not get in shootouts, but they're not great defensively. They're, they're second to last in opponent's field goal or three-point percentage. So if you have a really good three-point shooter against them, that's where I would target a lot of DFS traction. I mean they give up 38.1% from three-point land. That's second worst. Uh, that's that's insane, If especially when you're playing DFS and you have a, you're – they're playing against a team who – a guy who's cheaply priced and maybe he's getting extra minutes because the starters hurt. That's where that's a big target right there. Um, they're really bad in defensive rating. They're again they're 22nd. They're uh, 20th in the opponents' effective field goal percentage. So they do they don't play that great of defense even with some okay defenders. But yeah, I mean I think DFS purposes their defense uh, the teams going against them are easily the are attractive just because. They don't do much, yeah uh, like you said I think I think the pistons are are right
0: um right in front of them but both teams have pretty poor uh defensive uh defensive ratings on the season uh we've seen plenty of teams just walk into the knicks and you also get the added benefit of narratives anytime you play the knicks you get some young guys that have never played in the garden before and mm-hmm. they tend to turn it up a little bit when they it's their first game in madison square garden it's most uh you know most nba players dreams when they're kids to you know have a great game in the garden so you know there's a little narrative factor sometimes when, that we can look into um But you're right. Teams just kind of walk in here and have their way with the Knicks defensively. I mean, the one the one bright spot that they've had all season, I think, is that they've been a fairly good rebounding team. And I I don't think that comes as a surprise knowing that they've had. So many big men kind of get jumbled in their lineups where they always have at least three guys on the court that are like 6'9". So (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't, you know, is that the modern day basketball? No, I mean, we're kind of more of a run and gun, uh, you know, mentality nowadays, especially looking at what's going on over there with DeAntoni and uh,
1: the Rockets basically playing nobody on the court over (laughs) 6'5". So yeah. to to fit your your point as a good rebounding team, they're actually first overall in the league in rebounding percentage, like offensive rebounding percentage. They're first overall. So, I mean, yeah, they it makes sense when you think about it. You're like, oh, the Knicks are really that good at rebounding. Yeah. They spent uh, all their money on a bunch of forwards and centers.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, if it just goes to show you how how bad of a, of a, t- a team they are and how poorly, I guess, you know, the is that the fact that they're that high in rebounding percentage right and you would you would imagine a team that's very high in rebound percentage with a lot of bigs a lot of guys that are in the paint would have pretty good effective like you know field goal percentage but that's not the case the knicks are 29th yeah. in effective field field goal percentage the second worst team so they have all these big guys in the paint clogging it up but not one of them can make a little baby hook
1: yeah yeah it's, it's if you're rebounding getting the most offensive rebounds you you'd expect to have the second or uh, very high second chance point opportunities but um they're not really that high in there. They're pretty league average, even though they're getting all these second-chance opportunities. They're pretty average on scoring with those second-chance opportunities. And it probably partly to do with that they're in the bottom four, bottom uh, bottom five in field goals made off assists. And, I mean, El- Alfred Payton's been playing great lately. He's been averaging, well, like eight assists the last couple months when he's getting run and playing significantly. Mm-hmm. He's pretty much the only one doing it. R.J. Barrett plays a lot of point guard, but he only gets a handful of assists a game, if that. Uh, Julius Randle has a lot of ISO ball with him, and then there's really nobody else that can facilitate the ball. So you'd expect for when they do get all these offensive rebounds that they could score off that. It's just – it doesn't happen.
0: It is what it is, man. It is what it is with these Knicks teams. It's uh, It's a little troubling, but – I think, I think that's – I mean, I don't know. Do you have anything else on the Knicks that we should probably keep an eye on going forward? Um, I could see them just doing the most bonehead thing in the offseason and bringing in a guy like Tristan Thompson, being, looking at their numbers, be like, we're really good at offensive rebounding. I think we need another center that's good at offensive rebounding.
1: Let's get Tristan Thompson in here. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, in the offseason, if you look at their payroll, the Knicks have a lot of money to spend next year, uh, especially if they don't retain Bobby Portis. That's about $15 million next year if they don't retain Taj Gibson they only have to pay him a little over a million so that and now he's he's on a nine million dollar contract that's about 24 million extra dollars to spend and they have a lot of people coming off the books I know you mentioned Mo Harkless Uh, he's a free agent this summer too that's why I don't understand why they want to play him so much he's pretty good when he gets minutes but this team isn't going anywhere so play your young guns I think they're next year they are I'm, I'm pretty sure they are in the bottom five or so in Um, salary, and that's without the Portis and um, Gibson. So they could even crawl into the top bottom four in salary and have so much available room. So they're going to throw out money. The Christian Wood, they already mentioned that they're enamored with him, and they're going to throw him money. They're going to throw other people money. It's just a matter of, do people really want to play for the Knicks? Do people want to play for Dolan? And... Who wants to play? Who who are they going to throw money at? Are they going to throw money at superstars or are they going to throw money at guys who are good but shouldn't be paid that much money and shouldn't be counted on to be the number one or number two option in, on a team that is wants to make the playoffs? Kind of like a Julius Randle. Are they going to throw another money at a Julius randall like player or are they going to go after someone big? It's, but I, I can see them throwing more money at a Julius Randle-type player. Yeah,
0: hopefully not. Like you said, we don't get many local games that we can watch over here in Connecticut. So it would be nice if the Knicks can just pop back on the radar a little bit. All right. Uh, I think that's I think that's all we got for you guys. You know, pretty good, pretty in-depth breakdown on what we expect the Pistons and the Knicks to kind of look like if uh, the second half of the season comes back. Um, you know, barring both injury news uh, to the guys like Kennard and Rose, we give you a decent, a uh, decent look at what it would look like, uh, whether those guys are on the floor or off the floor, who we can kind of depend on and count on as far as DFS options, which kind of matchups we'd be looking at these guys in. So I think we did a pretty decent job breaking down these two teams, which otherwise would not be getting many Google research clicks. <laughs> um, so I think if there's any Knicks and Pistons fans out there, I hope we did justice for you guys. Um, you know we'll, we're going to keep this this momentum rolling with uh, with these team breakdowns, breaking down two teams every single day. Uh, I believe it'll be Layton on tomorrow. So uh, another another new voice that our listeners will get to hear is going to be Coach and uh, Layton coming on tomorrow to break down. I believe is the Bulls and the Hornets. So. Two teams that have uh, some youth involved, some fun teams to talk about. They'll probably hit on yeah. the Pelicans' pace a lot. I know that's going to be a big aspect as far as that. So they'll be back tomorrow. Um,
1: you know, I, and I actually really like the Bulls when, but they just have to have a, a full lineup stay healthy. I mean, they've barely had any games played together, but they're a pretty young, exciting team. Um, if, yeah. the Knick, if the Knicks had those guys, it'd be fun to watch.
0: They need to bring in Atkinson, I think. I think
1: uh, Atkinson would be
0: a great coach for the Bulls
1: right now. That's a fantastic call. I I think that was one of the teams that I said should bring him, and I I love that. Atkinson's a really good player development uh, coach. He loves to teach young guys. Look what he did with the Nets last year before they brought in uh, even more people. But he, he would fit that system great, and I think if they stayed healthy, they would make some noise, and you'd see a lot of improvement. So that's a great call. Yeah,
0: I would love to see it. I mean, they they're, they're desperate for a good coach. They have, like you said, a great foundation, a great youth uh, just between Kobe White, Otto Porter, Laurie, Wendell Carter, Jr., uh, Zach, Zach Levine. Levine. Yeah, they have a they have a lot of young guys there. And, you know, if they can get these guys to click and stay healthy and get some sort of uh, unity in their locker room, uh, um, I think that they can really develop into a decent team down the road with the right coaching. So. Um, I'll be looking forward to hearing that breakdown, kind of how they attack that. Uh, You know how we kind of do over here at DFS Coach Talk. Uh, If you guys have a minute, please uh, give us a thumbs up, a rate and review. Uh, You can find us everywhere, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube, iHeartRadio. We're kind of all over the place. So it means a lot to us. It lets us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, how we kind of gauge our information. doing a lot wrong. We're always doing a lot wrong. I mean, let's just be, let's just be frank. Uh, we're very, very little am I doing anything right. I, I, I get that on a daily basis. So I, I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> I know you do. I know you do. Um, so if you guys have a minute, just give us a quick rate and review. I mean, you can also find us on Twitter. Uh, if, if we're not, um, you know, if you're not in our Discord, if you're not a premium uh, subscriber over here, you can still get to us on Twitter. You can find me at uh, micapatria Mike M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. You can find Coach at Joe Sarvati, that's J O E S A R V A D I. You can find Andrew Hansen at Language Olympic, L A N G U A G E O L Y M P I C. And Santino, why don't you tell everyone where we can find you on Twitter now that you are spreading your vocal cords
1: around the country and the world? Yeah, well, uh, you could pretty much find me on Twitter with my name as well. I, I know Apache can't really spell, so I'll do it for you uh, S A N T I N O C A C C O N E and that's where you can find me.
0: Yes, sir. And I cannot spell. That's why I had you do that, just in <laughs> case I butchered it. I know, I know your name. I've known your name for about 18 years now. Um, but no, I'm I'm not the best spell. It took me a long time just to get Language Olympic, because when you try to say that really fast, you can jumble up some letters. So that's professionally done, and I mastered that. So it's going to take some time to get Santino uh, cones. But that's our team, guys. We We really do appreciate everything you're doing. You know that we're a big supporter of Kobe's Uh, and Vanessa Bryant's uh, charitable foundation, Mamba on three. So if you guys have a second, if you, you know, we, we mentioned in every show, it's just a big driving force behind what gauged us to start this platform over here. Um, We, we do appreciate, and I know all the surviving, uh, the family members and the victims of the crash, um, you know, their family members would really appreciate that as well. So if you guys have a dollar or two Mamba on three um, and that is spelled T H R E E not the number three. So, Again, we look forward to seeing you guys come back tomorrow, hearing some nice Hornets and Bulls news. That's all we have for you today from Micah Patra and Santino Cocon. Stay safe, guys. Have fun. And let's start gearing back up for basketball.
1: Have a good one, guys. Way to dribble up and down the court. Just like I'm looking on the microphone. So a Dr. J and Moses Malone. I like slam boats and taking it to the home.